All right, take your Bibles and begin by turning to the book of Acts. We'll start there and then we'll move into the daily Bible reading uh, for this week. Uh, we'll be in 2 Timothy for the most part, but I want to begin in the book of Acts, chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Now, the uh, sermon says this is the power of peace. I'm kind of squeezing in uh, an additional uh, message. Um, when we realized what Peggy was going through, I can tell you that missionaries identify with everything Paul is going to be talking about here in the book of Second Thessalonians. And so um, I just want to, it to be an encouragement um, to all of us because it applies to all of us because we're talking about our Christian friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and how important they are in our lives. So this is the power of Christian friendship, maybe. Um, now, I, I want to let, so that you as a congregation know, we'll, the board will, we have a meeting, and we'll be talking about how to uh, best help Peggy through this. So we just want you to know that that will be happening after Sunday school this morning. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, for you to guide us and direct us as we look at it together. Father, may it be an encouragement to us. In Jesus, your most precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28 gives to us the account. Luke is wrapping up his, uh, his uh, account of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Uh, they had just been through a, a horrible shipwreck and had to spend the winter on an island. And uh, now they're getting ready to travel back to um, where they need to be. Um, and that is, Paul is on his way to Rome. And so in verse 11 it says, After three months of being on the island... We sailed in an Alexandrian ship, the biggest and best ships built during the time of the Roman Empire. They were constantly going across the Mediterranean Sea from Rome to Egypt to bring grain to feed the people of the city of Rome. They had a massive welfare program for that city. And I bring it to your attention because even the big Alexandrian ships had to, had to dock in the wintertime because the Mediterranean Sea was so treacherous. But after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, or Castor and Pollux. These are two heathen gods that are supposed to take care of you when you're on the water. They're supposed to protect you in storms. I find that interesting. Anyway... They landed at Syracuse, which is uh, below the boot in uh, Italy, and we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Putioli, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to greet us as far as Appia Forum and three taverns or three inns. And I want you to pay attention to what Paul says next, or what Luke says next. 
When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Luke observed that from the Apostle Paul. Luke, no doubt, was encouraged by the same. And in verse 16, it says, Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Down to verse 30. Then Paul dwelt two whole years waiting for his defense before the Roman emperor. Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. And what did he do during that time? He preached the kingdom of God and taught the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it with confidence. No one forbid him to do it. If I were to imagine what life was like for the Apostle Paul for those two years, he was under house arrest. He lived in his own rented house. He probably lived in an apartment building in Rome. There were 10,000 of those, and there was only like 100 private residences, and they were for the wealthy. But he probably every day got to go to the courtyard, chained to a Roman guard, and people could come into the courtyard of that apartment building and and talk to the Apostle Paul, and Paul would share the gospel. And I imagine brothers and sisters in the Lord did that constantly. We know Luke was one of those who did that. But anyway, I say that to you because that's what we call the end of the history record of Paul's missionary journeys. When Paul was there for two years, he wrote four books, and I just want to bring into your tent, they're called the Prison Epistles. The four books he wrote were the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And sandwiched between Colossians and Philemon are three books called the pastoral letters or the pastoral epistles. So turn with me beyond the book of Colossians to, well, there's First and Second Thessalonians, but then you have the pastoral epistles. First and Second Timothy, and we're going to go to Second Timothy. Now, this is several years after Paul made his defense, and he was released from prison. Luke doesn't do any more writing about it, but Paul continues his missionary journeys. And so all of the historical information that you and I have in First and Second Timothy and Titus, all of that is stuff that we have to try to put together because Paul continues to give to us some historical information that doesn't have some kind of a travel log to it. Let me say this to you. It's important for you to know that he wrote 1 Timothy first, he wrote Titus second, and he wrote Timothy, 2 Timothy last. It's the last book that he ever wrote because now he's back in, in Rome and now he has to deal with... Uh, his defense of the gospel once again. And this time, you and I know that he is killed for his faith. Now, having said that, I, what I want to do this morning in the remaining time that we have is something that we just generally don't do. I'm not giving you a lot of theology. I'm not giving you a lot of uh, running commentary. But I want you to notice that Paul, and when he writes letters, he does this a lot. There's probably over a hundred and some names of people that you and I are going to spend eternity with one day, and we'll get all of their stories, and we'll say, well, I know Paul mentioned you, but he didn't say much about your life, and, 
and your faith, you see. But in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul gives to us lots of names. Why does he do that? Because either these people were an encouragement to him or they were a discouragement to him. These people either helped him in the ministry or they hindered him in the ministry. These people were those who gave him courage, as we see in Acts chapter 28, or they're people who discouraged him. And so he begins in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy by saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son. Paul mentions Timothy an awful lot in his letters. And one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul mentions Timothy is because Timothy is with the Apostle Paul almost all the time. Timothy, he met the Apostle Paul on Paul's first missionary journey. Paul was in Timothy's house. He knew the family well. And the Bible says that on Paul's second missionary journey, Timothy decided to, to, to go with him. And Timothy had been with the Apostle Paul ever since. And so Timothy was a great encouragement to Paul. And uh, he went into Europe with the Apostle Paul. He was left at the church of Berea with Silas to help build that church. He was with Paul on his third missionary journey. And with that final delegation of 10 people that Paul took to Jerusalem to help the Jerusalem church out financially, he was with that group of people. But in verse 5, we have two other people that are listed here in 2 Timothy. He says, I want to see you in verse 4. I can't wait to see you. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. Paul goes back and he remembers that family. He remembers Timothy's mother. He remembers Timothy's grandmother. And he remembers that Timothy, no doubt, is a believer because of their faithfulness to bring Timothy up to trust in the Lord. And uh, it's, it's an incredible thing. And so Paul continues to mention people that are important. And so in chapter 1, verse 15, he mentions two other people. In verse 13, he says, I want you to hold fast. Now, don't forget, this is a letter that he is writing to Timothy who is a young pastor, who is often despised because of his age. And he has to remind Timothy, don't let people despise you because of your age. Um, you're growing in maturity, and things will improve for you, and this is what I want you to do. But he says, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. So he mentions two people who have turned away from the Apostle Paul. Paul went to Asia. He shared the gospel in Asia. And here are two people who apparently were, were with them in their missionary work. And, and now they've turned away from the Apostle Paul. And they said, Paul, uh, we're done with you. And so he mentions a third person in verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. 
for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. We don't know why these two men left. We don't know why they stopped ministering with the Apostle Paul, but it may have something to do with the fact that he was arrested and maybe that was just too much stress for them. I don't know. Paul doesn't give us much more information. But the Bible says that Onesiphorus often refreshed me. See, friends, Christian friends are refreshment, right? It was often, it's, it's said that a friend is one who steps in when the world steps out. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And there are tons of statements like that. You and I need to appreciate our Christian friends. We need to appreciate our Christian brothers. We need to understand that there's power in those relationships. And if I were to give you an application right off the bat is don't isolate yourself from your Christian friends. They are a big encouragement. They are a big support, a big help in time of need. And so he mentions Onesiphorus, and then later on in the book, in chapter 4, verse uh, later on in chapter 4, verse 19, he greets the household of Onesiphorus in his letter. But as we continue in chapter 2, verse 17, he mentions two other people. And again, it's a negative circumstance. Almost the rest of them will be positive, almost all of them. But he mentions a negative circumstance. He talks to Timothy and reminds Timothy in verse 14 of the things that he has charged Timothy to do. And he says, so listen, don't strive about words to no profit to the ruin of hearers. He knew a lot of people's lives were being ruined by those who were in opposition to the gospel of Christ. He knew that it was disruptive for the church. But he said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. So they came up with a, a theology of their own that didn't match with the church's theology, and they were kind of talking about it and sharing with it and causing problems. And Paul even said it was overthrowing the faith of some people. That's how powerful, that's how powerful um, uh, relationships can be. And so can you imagine a church where Hymenaeus and Philetus were sharing false doctrine? And uh, it was disruptive for the Apostle Paul. Now, Hymenaeus is first mentioned with another guy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, he is mentioned with Alexander. And I just bring it to your attention. You don't have to go back there. But the Apostle Paul mentions these two guys in 1 Timothy. And in chapter 1, verse 20, he talks about the fact that Hymenaeus and Alexander, he says, I had to put them under church discipline so that they learn not to blaspheme. How bad of a situation was it? In verse 19, he says, listen, have faith and a good conscience because some have rejected this and have suffered shipwreck like Hymenaeus and Alexander. 
Now, in chapter 3, verse 8, there's two names, but they're totally unrelated to anything that we're dealing with. Because Paul goes back to the Old Testament and, and Moses, and he talks about two magicians who opposed him when he was in Pharaoh's court before the, the Passover. And he mentions their names, Janus and Jambres, in chapter 3, verse 8. But let's move on now, and let's go to chapter 4, verses 10 and following. And the reason why is all the rest of the names are in this section. And I want us to just get a little bit of a handle on it. In chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible says that Paul writes to Timothy and says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas? Wow. Paul talked about Demas in Colossians chapter 4. Paul talked about demons in, uh, Demas rather in Philemon. And he said great things about Demas in those two prison epistles. But now here's the Apostle Paul when he goes back to Rome and he goes back to defend his faith. The Bible says that Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he has left and he's went to Thessalonica. But practically everything else is good. Crescens went to Galatia. Paul probably sent him there. Titus for Dalmatia. Paul no doubt sent him there. You see, these two men served the Lord with the Apostle Paul, and Titus is well known. Paul wrote a book to Titus as one of the pastoral epistles. Titus helped Paul. His name is mentioned many, many times. In the book of 2 Corinthians alone, I believe he is referred to eight times. He's referred to in Galatians. He's referred to in these other books. And the Bible tells us that he served Paul well. And uh, Paul sent him to Crete uh, to work there and to build a church on the island of Crete. So this is a good relationship. But Paul brings it up. People are important to him. Paul's in prison now. He is going to be killed for his faith. And now he is remembering all of these wonderful relationships that have been a support to him and that have been a help to him. And he's encouraged by all of this. And so he is sending people out to share the gospel. And in verse 11, he says, only Luke is with me. Luke, Luke, the guy who wrote the book of Acts. Luke, the physician who was with the apostle Paul in the shipwreck. If you remember in Acts chapter 28, how many times does it say Paul did this and Paul did that? No, no, no. It says we did this and we did that. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship. We went to Syracuse. We circled around and reached Regium. Regium. We came to Puteoli. We went to Rome. We did this. We did that. Luke was one of the most important people in Paul's life and in his ministry. And so um, he wrote the gospel of Luke, as you know. And uh, he was a big encouragement to the apostle Paul. But only Luke is with me, and Paul yearns for other believers in Christ. So he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. This is the Mark that left them 
when they were on their first missionary journey. This was the mark that we don't know the reason. We don't know if he was homesick. We don't know if he was afraid. We don't know if, um, if he had problems with health. We don't know the reason why Mark left. We know that it was very discouraging to the Apostle Paul. Mark then went on to minister with his cousin Barnabas. And now, many, many years later, many, many, many years later, when things get back to normal for, for Mark and Paul, Paul says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Now, don't forget, Mark is the one who wrote the gospel of Mark. And so the Apostle Paul wants to see Mark again. And in verse 12, the Bible says, and I also want Tychicus. Now, I should use the English uh, spelling for my cue as to how to pronounce this word. Tychicus is how I would do it in English, but that's, that's just not the Greek word. And, uh, but I'll just use Tychicus, all right? And um, he said, I have sent him to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. See the endearing statements that the Apostle Paul is making about his Christian friends and his brothers and uh, the people who has served with him all of those years. Uh, Tychicus served with the Apostle Paul. His name is mentioned many, many times. And the Apostle Paul not only sent him to Ephesus, but I believe you find him in Crete with Titus as well. Then he says, he says um, in verse 14, uh, one negative, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. I have nothing to do with it. On judgment day, the Lord will repay him for his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. This is, this is really personal information that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given to the church for our edification, for our encouragement, for our understanding, so that we could glean from this very important principles. I've often wondered why at the end of Paul's epistles and sometimes at the beginning he mentions all these names of people that you and I don't know. And doesn't get much information, but I often wondered why. But the older I get in the ministry, uh, the better I understand that. Because we, we experience this in ministry. Missionaries, and I bring this, one of the reasons for doing this, of course, as I mentioned earlier, was because our missionaries understand this better than anybody. They understand it better than anybody. So... In verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, finally, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. They were the couple that were kicked out of Rome by the emperor because they were Jewish and uh, they were considered to be troublemakers. 
They were the ones who went to Corinth. And when Paul came to Corinth, Paul was a tent maker. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers. And they got together and they worked together and they lived together. And, and they've known each other as a couple for, as couples for forever. And the Apostle Paul says, as a couple with the Apostle Paul and his colleagues. And so all of these people knew who Priscilla and Aquila were. And so the Bible tells us that Paul wants to see Aquila and Priscilla. They accompanied Paul to Ephesus. They accompanied Paul. They went back to Rome. They, now we find out they're back at Ephesus. And so he says, listen, greet them, greet them and the household of Onesiphorus. In verse 20, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. I am um, amazed. I'm amazed at how the Apostle Paul has to deal with everything that every believer, I think, I think he is the model for almost everything that believers, that we have to face in this day and age. On the island of Malta, he had a wonderful miracle uh, where he was bitten by a snake, do you remember? And he was healed. And then here is Trophimus, who can't even go further with him at this point. He, I've left him in Miletus sick. And so um, he has to stop journeying with the Apostle Paul. And so he, this happened beforehand, and now Paul's in Rome and defending his faith. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Pudens. I should use an English pronunciation instead of Linus. I should say Linus. We'd all appreciate that probably. And Claudia and all the brethren. These people are on Paul's mind. Paul's thinking about them. He's praying about them. He loves them. They're an encouragement to him. They've rallied around him when he's needed it, except on some occasions. But he's never been totally left without those who've been faithful to him. The Timothys and the Lukes and the, and the Tituses. This is, this is very important for us to understand. The application, I, I knew I didn't need to make much application today. Don't, don't abandon your Christian friends. Don't isolate yourself from your Christian friends. There's a reason why God has get the body of Christ is huge. It's huge. It starts here and goes all the way around the world and comes back to where you're sitting. It's huge. And there are people um, who love the Lord, supporting people who love the Lord and and, and God has meant it to be that way. Fellowship is so critical for us in the church today. And so it gives us courage. It gives us strength. It gives us hope. And it gives us peace to know that we are surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ who are there for us. But I have a final simple application here as we close. Look at chapter 4, verse 17. Look at chapter 4, verse 17. God's the one who provides our Christian friends for us. God's the one who provides our support for us. And I've observed it for years and years and years and years and years. And I've got to tell you, it's one of the blessings of ministry to know that people love you and care about you. And, uh, and they're important. 
Here's Paul after he talks about Alexander in chapter 4, verse 17. Don't forget, he's getting ready to go to trial. And when he talks about all who forsook him, and you know that doesn't mean everybody, but that means a lot of people. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Obviously, Luke could say, no, I didn't. And others could say that too. But Paul is saying there just was a mass exodus. They didn't want nothing to do. Whether they were afraid that they would be roped into this and then they would be killed because of their faith, I don't know. That could be a very distinct possibility. But it was very uncomfortable for people to help the Apostle Paul and stand with him in his defense before the Roman emperor. But in verse 17, what does he say? But the Lord stood with me. God is always there. You know, we talk about our Christian friends. Christ is our best friend, right? We can say that because Christ is God-man. And the Bible tells us he's like our brother. He's a brother to us. And when we get to heaven, not only are we going to see God the Father, but we're going to see Jesus as well. Jesus is coming back, and he's going to establish his kingdom on this earth. You see, but the Lord stood with me. And what did the Lord do? He strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me. And so all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Amen? Need I say more? Let's close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement that you've given us through the Apostle Paul. We thank you for our brothers and sisters. We thank you for their loyalty. We thank you for their, um, we thank you for their support. We thank you. And Lord, we pray. We pray, Lord, that as we see the needs of each other, that you'd help us to meet those needs. We thank you for giving us a heart to do that. We thank you, Lord, that we have so many examples. And we pray in your precious name that we can continue to do that. In Jesus, your most precious and holy name, we pray. Amen.